Hot pod. Hot, hot mic. Pod. <laughs> Welcome to Do You Follow Podcast? Episode 11. Point one. We're doing things a little bit different this week. If there's anything Juliet and I excel at, it's taking feedback. That is so true. I think anyone who's a social media professional and truly wants to excel at their craft mm-hmm. needs to learn how to take it, mm-hmm. process it. And apply it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I really did my time in the trenches at Birchbox um, doing community management like during the holidays. Like yeah. you can say anything you want to me. It just bounces right off me. Exactly. And um, anyways, so we hear you loud and clear. People love our podcast. Mm-hmm. We have two groups of listeners. We have mm-hmm. a group of listeners who is here for phone a friend. They are sending us extremely specific questions about their jobs and their marketing conundrums. We have yeah. some good ones today. Yeah. They want us to solve it with them. Uh-huh. They are not interested in the Kardashian drama, our general banter, our reminiscing that about have anything to do with social media. Although it all does, because you know yeah, what, you have to use does. social media to figure out if Kylie's really pregnant. But whatever, we are so appreciative <laughs> that people are so devoted to us that we're gonna start breaking our podcast into two. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna do every episode. We're gonna do a point one where we. Um, Really, we do our phone a friend questions. We get into the weeds with you guys. We're going through. Here's what you do. Here's how to address X Y Z problem. Um, so if you're in the world of social or marketing, you will definitely want to make sure you tune into that every single week and ask us your questions. Keep them coming. And we won't talk about any of the fun stuff like that we want to talk about at the beginning. And then we are going to do a um, episode. Point two, yes. where we're going to talk about all the fun stuff we want to talk about. We're going to play Do You Follow? Mm-hmm. So we can introduce you to new accounts that you should follow for fun and for professional inspiration. Mm-hmm. We're going to play Instagram Roulette so we can uncover more great people that we follow that we forgot about. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some more fun stuff too that we haven't thought of. Yeah. So think of it like the A side and B side of a cassette tape. Right. We have serious sides and we have less serious sides one is not better than the other it's what makes us who we are Mm -hmm. but we're just like so psyched that you guys care this much about the pod it's pretty cool so we want to cut to the chase in either direction yeah so i'm using my serious voice also can you tell i can tell yeah this is my b my a side voice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on the b side i'm gonna be more fun and get loose okay um so you read me such a good phone a friend. Yes. This is an epic one. I think you should We have a really good one. Read it. It's a long one. But I think you should read the whole question because it's worth it, right? it really encompasses like I think a lot of questions that people have. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so this question came to us via email. Um you can email us at do you follow podcast at gmail.com and we are looking at that inbox every single day jotting down your questions um okay so this question um came from someone who is currently working on starting an influencer program at her company um and it's a direct consumer company that has one product um they're trying to figure out the right way to measure success relative to investment time and money spent she says i know there's often tension for influencer marketing around trying to measure it versus accepting that the results are less tangible. 
What is your advice for someone with more of a performance marketing mindset trying to set some benchmarks for success with influencers? For example, if I spend time and money via product seeding to establish relationships with, say, 10 influencers, what outcome should I expect? What metrics make sense here? Percent lift in organic site traffic, number of impressions on their posts, other metrics. Do you find that there's a certain threshold or critical mass effect that is necessary for influencer programs to be successful? In other words, do you have to spend a certain amount of work or work with a minimum quantity of influencers in a given time period to really feel the effects of creating that echo chamber versus building the program slowly over time? Lastly, I've started getting advice that we need to be just as smart about the other marketing tactics we have running while we have the influencer program up to really amplify all efforts. Do you have advice or thoughts on which other marketing channels or tactics effectively complement an influencer program or how to leverage influencer content in other ways? Thanks. Keep up the great content. Looking forward to listening each week. Such a good question. Such a good one. We have so many thoughts on this. We have so many thoughts. So take out your pencils. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think we can say part of um, something we take really seriously is anonymizing your questions because we get such mm-hmm. um, legit ones. But this is in the food space, I feel like yes. we can say, because mm-hmm. food, listen, there's a couple industries that social media has totally upended. I say this all the time. Beauty, you know, food. Beauty, food, and weddings. Yep. So. You know, if you're in one of those three categories, you're in luck. Um, So the first thing that I thought of, and when Juliet and I were chatting about this before, is I think that sometimes people make the mistake of considering influencer marketing as its own vertical. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that's the way to think about it. I think that influencers... Um, actually can be divided up into the traditional marketing channels. So Mm -hmm. you can use influencers for PR objectives. You can use influencers for direct marketing Mm -hmm. objectives. um, And you can use influencers... Influencers. Influencers. You can use influencers for, um, like, branded content marketing. Yeah. Um, So I think that's, like, the first place to start. So, um... For example, you wouldn't me- uh, measure PR the same way that you would measure performance uh, marketing. Performance marketing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, like, don't try to compare all of influencers against mm-hmm. um, all of some other initiative. Like, use influencers for the other initiatives. Yeah. So, for example, if you are a brand new company and you have a consumer product and no one's tried it and no one's touched it, you would probably work with a PR agency to get it in the hands of editors. And those editors might write about it today and they might write about it in a year, but they need to know about you. It's all relationship building, Mm -hmm. right? That's what PR is. Same with influencers. Yeah. You need to get your product out into the world. And those influencers could be people with a million Instagram followers or people with a thousand Instagram followers, but they have some sort of offline influence. Mm -hmm. This is something you already know. Um, you, you know, people just, I think get nervous. I have to do influencer marketing. Yeah. So one, if you have a brand new product, you got to get it out in the world. People have to touch it, feel it, try it. Yeah. And then if they post about it on Instagram or write about it in their magazine soon after you seeded it to them, that's a bonus. That's mm-hmm. a cherry on top. That's mm-hmm. whipped cream. But you first have to put it out. Into you the have to put it so out there. Know about it. And so then mm-hmm. next year when you have another launch, you're not introducing yourselves to them for the first yeah. time. Right. So, so I think that's the first thing. And like, 
How do you measure that? I think um, typically with PR, you do measure it with impressions. You use PR to amplify other Mm -hmm. um, things going on. So if you have like another um, offer or another launch, you know, you would market it through email and through your site and through Mm -hmm. all those channels. You use PR to amplify. So that's how I would think about influencers Mm -hmm. there. Um, I'm talking a lot. And I think too, like when I was at MGemi, our initial influencer marketing strategy was we wanted people to know about us. We were a new brand. We wanted to reach influential fashion and like influencers who were, so we could build that like brand equity and be top of mind for people on Instagram. So the metrics that we were looking at there was really like reach and engagement of those, um, influencers. Mm -hmm. Over time, as we kind of, like, made that space in the industry and we're really, like, seeing momentum, um, we then shifted a bit as our, like, business shifted a bit to focus more on how we could really, like, track the attribution. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's the life cycle of, like, a new product. Yeah. So, like, I think, exactly. Like, we were new. We wanted people to know about us. As we kind of got mm-hmm. older in our company, we mm-hmm. wanted to be really kind of more specific mm-hmm. with what we were going after and the goals that we were tracking against. So um, recently, before I joined Love Stories, um, we were really focused on conversion for influencers mm-hmm. and just finding a way other than tracking their like reach and engagement to find mm-hmm. out if they were actually moving the needle for us. Because that's the age of where you are. So, yeah. And I think you can sometimes... You can sometimes combine these things. So so specifically yeah. what Juliet's talking about is like finding influencers that you have a very specific deal with. You pay them yeah. to talk about your product. You give them a code. You track how much they converted. Sometimes you also give them a commission on top of that. Based on how you they perform, you decide if you want to hire them again or someone like them again. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like um, the sort of performance or more direct marketing like way of thinking about influencers, you can sometimes combine these things. Like the Buffy, Alyssa did a kick-ass job with the Buffy launch. Yeah. So Buffy was really a great She did a great job. A new brand, no one had heard of them before. Yeah, yeah. They wanted the right people to mm-hmm. have the comforter in their hands. Mm-hmm. But they also wanted to be able to track from the beginning who exactly. was actually driving. Them. So she found people who were small enough that just getting a free, small enough or good enough friends with Alyssa mm-hmm. that getting a free comforter was enough. So... Juliet and I have like more Instagram followers than a regular person. We're not have people of huge followings. We also care about Alyssa mm-hmm. and believe in anything that she's marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they worked with some people who were like bigger than us and even smaller than us. And the way it worked was like, we're going to send you a free comforter. So mm-hmm. what's the value of that comforter? I don't know, a hundred dollars or something, but it's like a brand new comforter. So that's like, I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. Like it's beautiful and I want to support Alyssa. And so she sent us the comforters, gave us each a code. And so we would introduce the comforters to our followers um, and tell them to use the code. And when they used the code, they got 20 bucks off. And what I didn't even realize until after I started getting the emails is we earned $20 for every comforter mm-hmm. we sold. So I made 60 bucks in the Amazon gift cards. Yeah. And I that? sold whatever it was, three comforters mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And so that worked, um, you know, as you move sort of down the funnel, it was like that we introduced people, she introduced us to Buffy. We touched it and felt it for the first time. We told our followers, but she was also able to like track how much we sold. Mm-hmm. So you can sometimes combine these two things, right. mm-hmm. but it wasn't a huge, going back to your question, investment on her part. Right. You know, she probably, I don't know how many people she sent you, maybe 50 comforters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're a consumer product brand, you can, you have to work into your budget, you know, 
seeding products. So, mm-hmm. like, that was the investment, the cost of the products. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, again, like, you wouldn't compare that. You would compare that against if you had sent codes out on your own email channel or if you had sent codes out on your own Instagram. Like, in that way, influencers are working for, for more of a performance outcome. Like, mm-hmm. You can't just use influencers as a blanket. And then I think the third way to use influencers, and this is another way to measure ROI. So, like, again, just to, like, sort of answer your question, like, the first way you work with influencers is, like, the way you would work with any PR. It's just, like, broad awareness, impressions, use it to amplify other things. The second way is, like Juliet said, like, um, more performance. And then the third is, like, rather than spending money to create your own content, that you put on your own social and your own website and your own email to market your products, you can use influencers to create that for you. Mm -hmm. And so frequently it's less expensive to send an influencer a product and pay them a little bit than if you hired like a production company or a head of creative to come to your company and make something. So like cooking, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, You did this at MGemmy really well and we did this at Birchbox a lot too. Yeah, yeah. Another thing, so like... Since this is a product that influencers have not gotten in their hands, um, and this is a food-related product, I think giving people like examples of what they could possibly do with this and yeah. show, like showing them up front, like yeah. here's how, like maybe you work with, you know, someone on the team who's like a great cook or something, and they do some content to kind of give mm-hmm. a, insight on how to, they could possibly do this. I think providing people with that. Um, those sort of prompts really helps too if it's a product mm-hmm. that like maybe isn't you know the prettiest out of the box or like needs totally. some like education and explanation. Alyssa did. I mean, first of all, if you're listening to this, you should hire Alyssa. One hundred percent. What's Alyssa's email? Let's let's, let's put her email on the pod. Um, her Instagram handle is at a r b r o. Right. You can slide in her DMs. You can slide in her DMs. Maybe that's, like, more appropriate. I don't know. Um, anyway, she did a great job. She, like, sent out a deck. Um, next week, we're going to talk about um, initiative Love Stories TV is working on, how we worked with influencers. Mm-hmm. We're going to, like, take you through it step by step. But, um, you know, I think that from a content creation perspective, it's, like, Juliet could send M. Jemmy shoes to 20 people who create beautiful content for their own blog and they want free shoes and then Juliet has those photos to use Mm -hmm. and even if she paid them each a little bit of money that's still cheaper than hiring a photographer and creating Mm -hmm. you know a shoot um at Birchbox I'd say like 80% of our content at MGemmy was um generated by influencers Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And luckily for our product, it was a shoe, so it could go with other outfit posts right. that they were doing. It was right. this really great kind of integration. So um, we got a lot of really great quality content because people were already doing like their mm-hmm. outfit posts. So the way you would measure ROI there is, you know, what compare the cost. What does it cost to get an influencer to make the content for you versus if you made it yourselves? And then whatever channel you put that content in, how effective was that email? What's the ROI of the email that you sent? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the ROI of the code that you sent, but you supported it with images that mm-hmm. you got from an influencer? So, like, you already know these metrics. Mm-hmm. Like, use the same metrics you would use to measure mm-hmm. anything else and just figure out where influencers can be inserted into these other mm-hmm. um initiatives these other programs Mm -hmm. it's like you can use influencers to like support codes you can use influencers to help you create content for emails you can use influencers as part of your pr strategy you can use influencers um as part of your affiliate strategy like yeah uh, and then i think the question about the time period and how you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. should you create that like echo chamber versus building the program over time Mm -hmm. i think you need both i think 
for things like a new product launch or if you're just like going out into the world, Mm -hmm. you should always have a kind of like critical mass of people who can talk about that product launch or whatever at around the same time period. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can see, you know, it's like the example of like the Revolve Girls. Whenever they're like in the Hamptons or Coachella, they're all posting like similar content around mm-hmm. the same time so everybody who's following them knows where they are and what they're doing and they built that really slowly over time so that's the thing I would say is like if you look at something like Birchbox like mm-hmm. we didn't pay influencers for the first like many years yeah. because we were really lucky people were just unboxing that content mm-hmm. and so by the time we decide to work with influencers in a paid manner we already knew who was you know creating good content for us mm-hmm. whose content was converting I mean like you know, if you've been around for a while, it's like go into your Google Analytics, see which blogs are driving traffic to you, and then reach out to them for paid opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. or like look in your affiliate dashboard and see who's driving you traffic, even if they're not driving sales. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need like incentives for themselves, but also for their user base to drive sales. Like yeah. I thought what Buffy did, like $20 for me, $20 for you. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. And I didn't even know that I was earning money, but like, I used mm-hmm. the, that $60 on Amazon to get, um... What'd you get? I got a new shower curtain liner, which nice. I probably would have gotten anyway, but I got it for free. Mm-hmm. And Justin got a book on something about the European economy. I don't know. <laughs> some book that we, he would not have paid for quick shipping, but yeah. we used the Buffy code. Yeah. What the Buffy. I know. It was great. Um, so, did we answer all these questions? I think... Oh, I think the question about, um, like, thoughts on which other marketing channels effectively complement an influencer program. Yeah. Can we answer that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, but that's, like, a good way to, like, conclude this, which is, like, just like you would be having desk sides with editors, have a desk side with the right influencers. Just like you'd be seeding your product to editors, Mm -hmm. seed it to influencers. And don't seed it to influencers and expect that they're going to post. Right. Seed it to them because they care about food and health and cooking and they, like, might post yeah. about it later. Um, and, like, just like you would put a... Just like you have a refer-a-friend program that you promote on your website and through your mm-hmm. email, like, use that same, you know, monetary incentive to give um, yeah. a code to influencers. So, like, mm-hmm. it's a channel. I would say, like, influencers are more like a channel than a strategy. Yes. It's, like... Strategies right. are like brand marketing, content marketing, mm-hmm. you know, um, performance marketing, and then yeah. like, um, you know, mediums are like email, social media, mm-hmm. influencers. They're just like another way to get the word out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, that's how I think about it. Um, I like this question. Yeah, this was a really good one. Yeah. Our next one is like so. So cool that whoever sent this question listens to us. Like, that is so cool. Okay. But before we get into that. Oh, we have. We have something to talk to our listeners about. SponCon? Our SponCon? It's our SponCon. So Juliet and I discussed it, and we're going to do the more fun version of this SponCon (laughs) on the more fun. Yeah. Um. Point two on the B side. On the B side. But we still want to talk about this podcast is brought to you by Birchbox. It sure is. Birchbox is the best way to discover and shop for beauty products. Uh-huh. And we're going to play Birchbox Roulette on the other On the episode. B side. Yeah. Um, but so our Do You Follow listeners, you get 20% off right. 
on any order $30 and over. So that counts for subscriptions, mm-hmm. self-subscriptions, gift subscriptions, mm-hmm. but also everything from their e-commerce shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I got an order recently that I'm pretty psyched about. And I sent something to a friend, too, because she told me my skin was glowing. And it was Jouet. Really? Yeah. Uh, we talked um, all about Jouet. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing a, a lip gloss from the Birchbox Ingredient Conscious category that I love today. So if you Google Birchbox Ingredient Conscious, you can go onto their site and shop all clean products. That's, mm-hmm. like, basically where I shop on their site. Mm-hmm. And you can get 20% off. So go to birchbox.com slash follow and use code follow at checkout to get 20% off. Any order, $30 and up. And if you need product suggestions or you have questions, DM us. Yeah, we're still your Birchbox beauty concierge, even though we don't work there anymore. We 100% are. (laughs) Okay. Should we go on to phone a friend number two? Let's do it. You guys, this is so cool. Julia, you you read the question. So this question came into my Instagram DMs on Jadolphine. And... Let me pull up the question. So while she's looking for it, I'm just going to put this out there. Do you know what the color guard is? Because I didn't. <laughs> I, I thought it was like something for um, laundry or maybe like oh, siding on so your funny. house when you first said it. Like really that protects funny. like the color. The only reason I know what it is is because my mom was in the color guard in high school. Shout out Upper Darby High School. <laughs> Where also Tina Fey went. Stop it. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my and God. And my mom was on the Upper Darby Wall of Fame. My grandmother, like, submitted her. They do this, like, award ceremony every year. That's so cool. And she, so was Tina Fey. They were inducted the same year, but Tina Fey wasn't at the ceremony. <laughs> I want to talk more about Tina Fey, but I feel like it's for the B-side, so I'm going to hold in my thoughts. Oh, right. Okay. No, it's right. okay. I mean, we have to be ourselves. You're right. We can't be... We can't we're be... We're both A and B-side. We have A-sides <laughs> and B-sides, so we're allowed to digress slightly. Right. Okay. So, um, this, I'm just going to read the question. It's such a good one. Hi, I work for a fairly seasonal company, AWCT Color Guard on Facebook. People only wear our items at certain times of the year, and the production process for the items are a two to three month process since it's all made in the USA. How do I keep up an interesting and engaging page in these off-season times? I feel like there's only so much who's excited for and we can't wait and TBT posts to share. Also, I've had tremendous engagement on our Facebook videos, but there are now copyright restrictions being put on even social media accounts and threats of legal consequences. Issue is this niche activity centers around visual and music connections. So I'm forced to post blank videos, which don't get half the engagement of sound videos unless it's a very well-known group. How do you get out of that bind? Also, other companies bypass and post with music. So are they just idle threats? Okay, so the color I love guard. This question. If you don't know what the color guard is, um, it's in like American middle schools, high schools, colleges, and universities, um, and it's basically like choreographed dancing, but with flags, usually during like on a um, sports field. It's sort of like. Um, <clears throat> Like, marching band. Yeah, and, like, drumline is a part of it. But it's, like, flags and dance. So, yeah, right, like, at my high school, we had cheerleading, mm-hmm. which we had cheerleading, we had dance team, mm-hmm. and we had marching band. Yeah. We did not have any, like, flags or batons or anything like yeah. that. But I feel like it's all sort of, like, in the same universe. Yes. It's all, it like, coordinated, is. right? Yeah. So, so this this um, collar works for a company that does like the uniforms. The uniforms, right? Right. 
I love this question. Yeah. Okay, first of all, I just like whoever you are, thank you for <laughs> like knowing who we are and listening to us. That is so cool. So I this is such such a great conundrum because yeah. it's like you are right. You have access to tons of great content. Mm-hmm. Um but the seasonality is interesting mm-hmm. and the music is interesting. So I'm gonna put a pin in the music for a second. Mm-hmm. The seasonality First of all, I would not worry so much about that because yeah. you don't have to be like TV. No one knows when something happened and not yeah. everything has to be in real time. We were talking about like Beauty Blender. We're like, mm-hmm. Beauty Blender is sitting on like a sea of content. Love Stories TV is sitting on a sea of content. We don't always, not every, sometimes we post a wedding that's a year old. Sometimes yeah. we post a wedding that's a day old. Like yeah. same with any beauty company. Like what you should be doing is collecting amazing content that represents your brand mm-hmm. and have like a repository of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't worry too much about like, if it's in real time or not, unless it's like an exciting announcement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, I wouldn't worry so much about that. Two, we thought a fun thing you could do is like have ambassadors, like find people who are on yeah. the teams mm-hmm. and bring them in and have or or just turn over your account to them. Like yeah. I give people our account password all the time. Basically, have like them do make like an influencer yeah. network of yeah. color guardies yeah. all over the country. Color guardies. <laughs> I'm sure there's, like, probably dozens, maybe hundreds of them if they're in, like, so many different yeah. schools across the country. Um, and you can find people. It would be cool to do something like, like, 52 different color guardians. A hundred. You know like I love week. when people, a thousand percent, yeah. like, have them take over your Instagram so yeah. you get behind the scenes. Like, today I have a big color guard mm-hmm. competition. So, mm-hmm. I'm like, eating my Wheaties and I'm, like, yeah. wearing my uniform to school. Yeah. And, like, or even if it's, like, in the off season, like, okay, it's snowing outside, but we, like, still have to practice, and, like, we're not wearing our uniforms, but, like, it's because it's the winter. Uh Like, I love it. Or you could have them, like, in their backyards, like, tossing batons, like, Mm -hmm. teaching tricks to, like, your audience. Like, I love that. I love it so much. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's what we thought. Okay, so for the music, Mm -hmm. which I know a little bit about from Love Stories to Be. So here's the thing. There's a difference between um, music that, like, the platforms actually like kick you off for and music Mm -hmm. that they like flag and they're like hey do you really have the license to use this so first of all you should talk to your lawyer you should talk to a lawyer who knows your business because it's all really nuanced I think probably if I was advising like the personal accounts of the kids on the color guard Mm -hmm. and they are posting the music and if Instagram or YouTube or Facebook is like, hey, do you have the right to do this? Like, they could probably ignore the warning. Like, probably nothing will happen to them. They're not using it to monetize. Like, they're yeah. just using it to show off their color guard. It's like, they're not using it for nefarious purposes. They're mm-hmm. not trying to rip off Michael Jackson or the yeah. Beatles or whatever. So, like, that's probably fine. It gets a little dicey with a business account because, like, are you... Maybe you're not directly making money from those posts, but, like, you are, like, a um, for-profit, like, company. So it's, like, I understand, like, you don't really want to mess with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also probably based on, like, the size that you are and, like, the fact that probably, like, the schools... You know, like, I'm not an expert on this, but what I the way I'm thinking about it is schools, like, buy sheet music. You know, mm-hmm. like, musical theaters at schools have to pay to get... They kind of, like, license that music almost. Right. So, like, I suspect, like, because it's students in school, you can, like, get around it. But I, you should find, like, a lawyer who's more familiar with your business. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, having, like, other people take over and, like, be ambassadors for you, even after your own channel. Like, so you could just do a post every day where it's, like, Juliet from Upper Darby High School is taking mm-hmm. over our Instagram, like, or and maybe not even taking over ours, like, is going to be our ambassador for the day. Like, go over to Juliet's account yeah. to see her uniform and, like, see what she's wearing. Like, maybe yeah. that's a way around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Love that. 
I think that, you know, there's a lot of times a lot more leeway on Instagram stories and Snapchat. There's a lot less flagging that happens there because the content's so short and more Mm -hmm. casual. So it's like maybe on your Instagram account every day it's like a still image and it's like go check out our stories or Mm -hmm. follow the link in bio to, Mm -hmm. you know, see the the, uh, videos. Um, Also, like with what... Facebook's going to be doing with, like, personal posting. Like, it could make a lot of sense to have sort of, like, an army of ambassadors posting yeah. on their own accounts rather than, like, and your that own. that could, like, avoid any You could make all those kids, like, into stuff. affiliates. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm looking on the website now. So, there's... Who knew there was the Color Guard World Championship? Oh, my gosh. Should we watch um, it? In Dayton, Ohio in <gasps> April. There's a lot of these kind of world championships and finals that happen, it looks like, at different points throughout the year. It's a great point. So if you can find a way to like go to those events, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, you know, in a budget-friendly way, like outsource someone to be there, like on the ground getting content, that could last you for like a long time. That's like a three six three hundred and sixty-five day approach. Yeah, good idea. And it's like your own owned content as well because you're taking it. Yeah. Cool. What a fun. What a fun question. Um. (laughs) All right. So that's the A side. Um. Turn over the tape. Turn over the (laughs) side. Push eject, flip the tape over. Um, So this podcast was brought to you by Birchbox. Thanks, Birchbox. Can get 20% off by using code follow at birchbox.com slash follow. Amazing. Email do you follow podcast at gmail.com with your cues. Mm Mm-hmm. These were some good ones this week. Give us some feedback. Tell yeah. us if you like the two episodes. Yeah, do you If you miss <laughs> the fun rage, do you wish I had, like, talked a little bit more about what I thought about the Tina Fey's book? It's my favorite book ever. I'm obsessed with her. Um, or just, yeah, just listen to the B-side. Yeah. And don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on Please iTunes. Do that. Please so do that. So pe- more people know about it. Yep. Cool. That's it. Bye, guys. Check you later. See you on the B-side.